I, I get my French fix and speak to my mother once a week. That that's that's all of us, right? I think my Taiwanese students or Chinese students, Indians and Pakistanis, they get to practice, you know, uh, Urdu or Hindi or once a week when they talk to the, their parents. I think we're all in this boat uh, together, I'm afraid. That's Dr. Denny Wirtz, a cancer researcher at Johns Hopkins University and Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. And he's vice provost for research at Hopkins as well. I spoke with him about his research some time ago, and that's a different podcast I am still producing. But we also spoke about language, and that's what this podcast is about today. Hi, and welcome to Conversations with Scientists. It's been a while since the last episode. Apologies. I was writing a lot, did a video, and then tried to take some time for family. Because work-life balance matters, right? Anyway, glad to be back and glad to be producing this podcast and others, too. This episode is about a topic that is, in a way, a given in labs. And perhaps not talked about a lot, even though it's about talking. It's about language. Labs speak many languages because principal investigators, graduate students, staff, postdocs, visiting scientists, they come from all over and speak different languages, which is of course fine and great. I did a story about lab languages for Nature Methods and Denny Wirtz is in that story as well as other researchers. A link to the story is in the show notes. Scientists tell me about the balance they strike to keep the lab talking and have people feel comfortable to speak in their own language, too, as well as English. It's just that such conversations in one language can exclude others, which is when things can get a bit difficult. Here, I want to share more of what Denny Wirtz told me on the subject of language and how he handles language matters in his lab. It's a short podcast today. The next ones will be longer again. So what happens in a lab when people congregate to speak their native language? That can leave others out of a conversation that may be important for all to hear. But of course, some need their fix in their native language, and they need to live their own language as well as English. Here's Denny Wirtz. Because exactly, you don't want to make them all, you know, uh, hide or even delete, if you will, what makes them interesting and individual, right? So I, it's interesting because I think I do help in my students learn how a story is told and it matters, right? Accessibility is primordial. I'm a big believer in element of elements of style, right? It tends to be accessible. It, it's this, there's this uh, fantasy that too many students, by the time they graduate, either with an undergrad or PhD, the, the more obscure they are, the more uh, seemingly savant they the sound, when of course it's the exact opposite. People will presume if they don't understand what you're saying, it's not because they're stupid, they think because you're stupid, right? And and so that I work very hard on. And simp- it's a story of simplification and simplification without trivializing the discovery they may make, okay? But it's interesting that I tried at the same time Maybe, to, so that's the English part, right? The, the unifying language undeniably is and remains English. See, a group of, there's three French people. First, you're never able to prevent them speaking French with each other. It's just lost cause. But I may take one aside and say, 
keep in mind that you do at the end what you want. I realize you need your fix of French every day. It's all it's all good and nice, but that then someone else who could be listening in and could provide, could contribute to this conversation cannot, right? And so it's always, it's a fine balance. I want to preserve these people feel comfortable. Just, you know, they, they don't like, I don't know, eliminate what makes them, in part, it makes them uh, unique and at the same time be inclusive, right? Where uh, I, I always say it can be distracting to hear a conversation background, but sometimes it's so useful because you, you're hearing something and it's like um, helping you in your work, maybe not today, but one day, and you can't even recall, you can't even remember that it was this background conversation you overheard. You have to almost scratch your head. Who was talking? Because what they were saying was so true who was oh it was bart let me go to talk to bart and he may have a solution for what i'm trying to solve here and i'm big believer of this and at the same time right i'm a, I, I try to create physical space for people to you know think the big thoughts to to you know when they could they need silence so sometimes it needs you know headphones uh, and to track that balance I, i'm not sure i get it right every day uh, between this open flow, this openness, this common language you're talking about, and at the same time having an ability uh, to be alone and 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 be kind of ambitious in in the in the reasoning. So it's 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 such a good question. I, as you can see, I haven't thought about it. Denny Wirtz is originally from Belgium and speaks multiple languages. And you speak how many languages? I think you speak four, right? Or no, or more? You, you have to. You know, that's how it works. It's, uh, it's Flemish, German, some. But my German is gone now. It's official. Uh, French and English. I, I say I'm terrible at, at uh, either of, of those languages. I, I get my French fix. I speak to my mother once a week. That That's that's all of us, right? I think my Taiwanese students or Chinese students, Indian students, Pakistanis, they get to practice, you know, uh, Urdu or Hindi. Once a week when they talk to the, their parents, I think we're all in this boat uh, together, I'm afraid, where it's like we switched. We could have this conversation in French. It'd be a struggle for me. It literally would be a struggle. It would be a big struggle for me, particularly all the uh, words and things. But uh, I think it, it changes the dynamic, right? But I think when people switch yeah. between back and forth, it is actually good for them to have that identity, that both of the identities, I so. right? I really think so. I really think so. But what I wanted to say, it could be different for different universities. At Hopkins, you know, we're going to have kids who are not only extraordinary scholars, but will be completely fluent in, in English, right? And and how to write English, often they come already with papers. There was a discussion on Twitter. Isn't it unfair to those who don't? I agree. But how do you how do you select those students then? I mean, if you have the luxury to be able to pick those students who are uh, already published as undergrad, fluent in, in English, say com coming from China, just as an example, and Hopkins tend to attract this kind of high caliber students. And so the, the, the issue concern, I don't know how to put it, challenge that you have students who really struggle with, with a language is a bit lessened at a place like Hopkins. It's not absent, just to be clear. For instance, I have master's students and there they 
the, I can see the le level of language is, is, is a little bit uh, uh, not as high. And, and so I make a point to, in, in a very you know, secure way, of course, to present the work more often uh, with me once a week uh, as part of group meetings. I have subgroup meetings. So they meet uh, as part of a, so they, they have different like sub communities where it's presented in slightly different ways, where you're going to have in a subgroup meeting experts, in a group meeting, fewer experts. You have to learn how to tell your story to a large, and then of course to conferences where you may have experts and non-experts. And then I always say to your family, so <laughs> you have to be able to explain what you're doing and, and read the body language. And if they are unimpressed, because they should be impressed, that tell me that you didn't find a way to sell your sons. That was Conversations with Scientists. Today's episode was with Dr. Denny Wirtz, cancer researcher at Johns Hopkins University and Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, and he's vice provost for research at Hopkins, too. The music used in this podcast is Better by Dizzy, licensed from Artlist.io. And I just wanted to say, because there's confusion about these things sometimes, nobody paid for this podcast and nobody paid to be in this podcast. This is independent journalism that I produce in my living room. I'm Vivian Marks. Thanks for listening.